For some time now, uh, I personally have been quietly challenged by the Lord about the witness of the church. My witness personally. But the witness of the church in general, not just here at St Paul's, or even the dear old Church of England, but for the whole church in the UK. And although I have spoken here before about witnessing in the sense of uh, testimony, of sharing with people we know or meet, praying for people, perhaps even at the supermarket or over the garden fence. As important as those are, it's not what I have been personally challenged about in the last few weeks as I have read and reread the passages for this morning. No, what has really grabbed me was the witness of our whole lives. Who we are and how we behave. The Old Testament reading for today, which we haven't had, uh, is the story of Isaiah's great vision of the Lord in Isaiah chapter 6. It begins, In the year King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne and seraphs calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Thrice holy, perhaps the one reference I will make this morning in my talk to it being Trinity Sunday. But then, a few verses on, we read of Isaiah's reaction. Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. I guess the idea or the thought that God is holy is not strange to us. It's, it's part of, you could say, it's part of the Christian life, the, the church's life, that we, as we've sung this morning, over and over, wonderfully, holy, holy, holy. God is holy. It, it runs off our tongues quite easily. And equally, all of us, if we're absolutely honest, know that God may be holy, but we ain't. And if anybody is sitting here thinking that they are holy like God, you better have a word with me afterwards. I will disillusion you. But seriously, this idea, this amazing vision that I Isaiah had, and incidentally is uh, reflected again at the very end of the Bible in John's great revelation. 
where he was taken up to heaven and saw the, the multitudes of heaven crying one to another, holy, holy, holy. But then into my mind came a thought from Peter's letter uh, to the Christians in what was then Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. He wrote this, As obedient children, never again shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you didn't know better. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. For Scripture says, you are to be holy, as I am holy. Wow. You are to be holy, as I am holy. And that's the Lord speaking through Moses well over a thousand, twelve, fifteen hundred years earlier. We read it in Leviticus. Really? We are to be holy as God is holy? But God said it so we can't ignore it. But very briefly, what does it mean to be holy? What does it mean when God is holy? Well, it means he's pure, absolutely, totally and utterly pure. He's set apart. He's different. He's righteous. And it encompasses everything that's revealed in his glory, his mercy, his grace, his compassion, yes, and his justice. He has nothing to do with evil, nothing to do with sin. You remember the cry of desolation of Jesus on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because one, the sin of the whole world was laid on the shoulders of Jesus. His father couldn't even look at him. He couldn't. Look at him, and Jesus felt that. Notice he called him my God, not my Father. But of course we know it didn't end there, because after those three hours of darkness, and it was dealt with once and for all, Jesus was able to say again, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. No wonder in that vision of Isaiah he felt ruined. 
but coming back to us being holy. Okay, we, we might have some moments of feeling particularly pure or particularly compassionate, but if you're anything like me, it's just moments. And as for being holy like God, surely not. But wait a minute. God never tells us to do anything without giving us the ability to do it or be it. So being holy is no exception. He has a way for us to be holy as he is holy. And that means to radically change us. Not some superficial thing like putting on a different pair of clothes or having our hair cut in a different style or moving to another house. No, God has a radical change to deal with our unholiness. For Isaiah, it was a burning coal touching his lips. For us, it's far more radical than that. It is, as Jesus was telling Nicodemus, to be born from above, to be born again, by the Spirit of the Holy God. Is this not the heart of the Gospel which Paul outlines in Romans? When we accept Jesus in repentance and faith, we die with him on the cross. Don't ask me to explain it, but we do. We die with him on the cross. Our old self, our old ways. But as with Jesus, it didn't end there. We rise again with him to new life. A new life controlled by the Spirit, as we heard from Romans 8. A new life not governed by the old ways which the Bible in different translations variously calls the flesh or the sinful nature. It's from this radical change when we are converted that comes the call of God to be holy because I am holy. Well, you might sit here and think, so much for the theory, it's all very nice for a preacher to stand up here and prattle on about it. But how does it happen in practice? How do I, how do you become holy as God is holy? Well, this after all is where the rubber hits the road, if you like. And there are various issues, and I want to address two ways in which people deal with it. Two common ways. The first 
is can it be achieved can it be achieved this holiness by simply trying harder and at the other end of the scale if you like are those who would say well does it really matter do i need to become holy because surely god tells us how much he loves us and he's full of grace and mercy let's look at those two first of all can we achieve it by trying harder ever since the fall humankind has been trying to get back in god's good books by one way or another by simply being good or religious observance like coming to church or whatever but any understanding of the gospel knows that that simply doesn't work only faith in jesus cross and resurrection can restore the relationship and build on it but sadly there are still many in the church up and down the land who haven't really got it i'm not pointing the finger at anybody here i'm not here to accuse but there are people who call themselves christians they've they know they're saved they know they've got their ticket to heaven when they die but then they live as if it's all down to them and thus the call of a preacher from time to time to call them to be holy just becomes another slog another rod to which they can beat themselves up and it becomes so depressingly futile that they simply give up but just as becoming a christian is a gift so is the path to holiness that's what the romans passage is all about by the holy spirit given to every single one of us who has been born again by the holy spirit the corrupt ways of our flesh are put to death and we can live a new and holy life but it's important to remember and this is very important to remember it's a process becoming holy is not a snap your fingers and you're suddenly perfect if you think that look in the mirror next tomorrow morning when you clean your teeth or shave or comb your hair if you think when you look in the mirror that you're perfect then you're deluded those of you who are married just ask your wife us men they will take great pleasure in pointing out that we're not perfect it's a process when we're born again of the spirit we're not instantly holy 
any more than when a baby is born, it's not instantly adult. There's a whole process of growing up. And that means, of course, there will be struggles. There will be slipbacks along the way when we are anything other than holy. But God knows about that. And that's why there's wonderful promises like 1 John 1 9 that some of us may well know by memory. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But sometimes we stop there. But the verse goes on and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means he's in the process, the process of making us holy. Well, if we can't achieve it in our own strength, does it really matter? That's the other question. And there are sadly too many Christians who think, yes, I've given my life to Jesus, but now I've got it back. And I'm going to live my life as I want to live it. I can say confession on Sunday in church, that'll be fine, that's all right. Because God is so loving and gracious, it doesn't really matter how I live. This is not a new idea in our generation, as common as sadly it is. Paul addressed it in Romans 6. What then are we to say? Should we continue to sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. Heaven forbid, he says, how can we who died to sin go on living in it? I ask this question because I am convinced very sadly, that there are many Christians who consider themselves Christians, but are not living or even seeking to live a holy life. I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. Remember when a preacher points the finger, there are three pointing back at him or her. I'm not that. It's not my place to judge. But it is, without doubt, one cause of the church's weakness. We have a friend who recently retired from being an associate vicar in a very big church, nowhere near here. I'm not going to give any hints as where it might be. But a few years ago, the married vicar decided there was another lady in the church more attractive. Need I say more? He's no longer at the church, he's been moved on. But the ramifications of that unholy, somebody's got Wi-Fi, um, the ramifications of that unholiness 
still rumbles on in that church. When we compromise with the world's standards, we are deeply weakened. But sin in the church is nothing new. Read 1 Corinthians if you're not sure about that. Holiness matters in the end because it demonstrates God's love and purposes and purposes for all humankind. Words, even signs and wonders, people being healed, etc., is not enough unless our lives are changed. Our lives are changed. But I believe there's another reason to heed the call to be holy. And in a sense, it's even deeper and more fundamental than our concern for our witness as a church. It is deep, deep down our response to God's love. In the Last Supper discourse in John uh, 13, 14, 15, 16, Jesus repeatedly links love with obedience. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's not a threat. It's actually a promise. Those who love me will keep my word. You see, obedience to Jesus is not slavish and it's expression of our love and trust. Paul contrasts it, so wonderfully put in the passion version that we heard Georgina read. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back to the fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. We want to be holy. We want to be obedient to the Lord and his expression of his love. No more do we have to obey him in the hope of being loved. But we obey him knowing that we are loved. I began my talk this morning by linking holiness to the church's witness, that we must seek to be who we claim to be. To proclaim Jesus, but not be becoming more and more like him, is counterproductive at the very least. But just three words of warning before I finish. We must avoid in this 
seeking after holiness, a holier-than-thou attitude. That we are better than them out there. We know better than them out there. And together with that, there must be no judging. If you've got a moment, read 1 Corinthians 5, where Paul is addressing the most horrendous sin in the church. Goings on that he says even the pagans don't do. And yet he says, it's not for us to judge the people out there who are living like that. Yes, we must challenge. We must challenge our government about laws which are unholy. But that's not the same as pointing the finger at individuals and people. And thirdly, one aspect of holiness is to be set apart. But as Paul explains again in 1 Corinthians 5, we are not to be set apart in the sense of leaving the world. Not to be a little holy enclave, because then where is our witness? You. Me. We are to be holy, says the Lord, because... He is holy. We cannot claim to be saved if we go on living as before. Whatever the pressures of the world, the flesh and the devil. Grace has been, has embedded into us holiness in our lives. Yes, we have to make right choices, we have that still. And we have to yield to Christ and God's word as the Holy Spirit lives in us. Holiness is not merely actions we perform, but what we absorb and manifest as we live our lives in God's presence. For in reality, Christ is our holiness, then our witness will be all the more credible and powerful in every way. Amen.